Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. LMFM Podcasts with CNC Carpets. We bring the showroom to you. Or you can book a personal consultation at our fabulous new showroom in Moortown, Dramiskin. Call 87 237 or visit our website at cnccarpets.com to book an appointment. CNC Carpets for all your carpet and wood flooring needs. 11 to 1 with M. Brazil on LMFM. This is LMFM's 11 to 1. Sinead Brazil with you. Hope you're keeping well. Hope you're keeping safe. Oh my God. It's torrential, torrential, grey, horrible day outside. But I can promise you that the fun times are coming for the next two hours. You can get in touch with me. 086-1800-658 is the usual method by WhatsApp and text. However, I have in hand... Something that I love receiving, a beautiful card. I'm after getting a card this morning. It's a lovely thank you card with some L's on it. And I love getting mail. It's, it makes me feel very important when I get handed mail. Uh, that's not a bill as well. That's always a plus. So I'm, I'm buzzing this morning to receive this. It says, hello Sinead. Thank you so much for having Jake and Jesse. You might recall Jake Carter and Jesse uh, from the Special Hands Activity Group in uh, Mead. They were on the show a couple of weeks ago. And they were celebrating their 20th anniversary and uh, they say, uh, just they're thanking me for this, they say, our evening was amazing. Couldn't believe how happy everyone could be from a real celebration of 20 years. Uh, That's coming in from Yvette, who organised the interview and got in touch with us and told us all about this wonderful group in Mead that is working very much with people uh, like Jessie, who is a very, very special girl, who joined us on the show. And uh, yeah, it was lovely. And Jake Carter was MC on the night. And Jessie was performing four different songs with four different groups. And she was only delighted and enthralled to be on the radio with Jake Carter, who she's a big fan of. And uh, there was an extra special surprise for them as well, because... Um, a makeup artist from Drogheda got in touch to say that they were going to go over there uh, to the Knightsbrook Hotel where the event was happening to get everyone all glam for that night. So that was very exciting. So I'm delighted they all went, uh, everything went well and hopefully they raised some funds as well for their activity group, which was the main reason as well for doing this. But they are 20 years in operation and thank you, deep felt thank you for this gorgeous card. I love, I'm just thrilled at this now. I'm going to put it there beside me throughout the show. (laughs) We have lots to get through. I'm going to be talking to superstars Keola Dunn. What a name, Keol, as in Keol, music. Uh, Keola Dunn from Dunsany, she's 10, and they're in McNally from Dundalk, also very fond of that name. Uh, They are the stars, two of the main stars of Toy Show the Musical. They are here in the Northeast in school and only delighted with their lives to be picked um, as the role for Nell in this coveted show musical that is going to be the big talk in December in the run up to Christmas time and I caught up with them yesterday after school let's just say giggling and excitement and lots of that going to be coming your way very very shortly and with this in mind actually this brings me nicely to our next piece of music I'm going to dedicate these this song just to these two superstars in the local area here is James Arthur you know I want you 
James Arthur and Anne Marie rewrite the stars on LMFM's 11 to 1. Uh, now, just to remind people that uh, the Draw the Motor Show brand new drive 231 event is running from 10 a.m. till 5 on Saturday, October 22nd. That's this coming Saturday uh, in Lawrence's Street. So the whole area there is going to be pedestrianised. Um, nine local franchise motorship, uh, motor dealerships have again partnered with Lawrence Street Business and Traders to bring their special motoring event to you. So there's going to be over 70 new cars on display. 18 motor brands LMFM will be there there's lots of family fun going on there'll be performances on the day as well there's also a colouring competition that's running for primary schools where 600 euro worth of love draw the gift cards are up for grabs oh no 600 euro worth of draw the, uh, love draw the gift cards a lot of spending going on in the run up to Christmas details are on the website brandnewdrive.ie and don't forget to join us on the day we will be there live on Saturday uh, now getting back to today and Leo Radker is back in the news, but not for what you would expect. There's been a furore online over the contents of his fridge. I'm going to bring you this story just after these. 11 to 1. With Listen in. You know, when you're in the public eye, everything is scrutinised, isn't it? You have to be so careful about what you post online. Well, Leo Varadkar learned that the hard way this week as Twitter went into meltdown. I'm going to bring you that story after more music. Here's Miley. There's Miley Cyrus, Midnight Sky, LMFM's 11 to 1, Sinead Brazel here with you and we are talking about Fine Gael leader Leo Varadkar and the fact that he's caused a Ferrari, oh, yeah. an online Ferrari. Where else would it be in this age of technology and social media? Uh, what was he doing? Well, nothing sort of like majorly shocking, but it just goes to show you that when you're in the public eye, everything is scrutinised, Leo. Uh, well, what did he do? OK, he decided to kind of, you know, he tries to be cool, Leo, doesn't he? Do you know, by posting stuff like this. Uh, so he was praising his partner, Matthew Barrett, for cooking and organising their meals for the week. This was earlier on this week. So he shared a snap to his Instagram story and he says, Matt, Matt has the meal prep done for this week. Fair play. But what caused the kind of ruckus was... In the fridge, the picture showed 16 lunch boxes containing meals like sausages, eggs, ham and pancakes. Not very healthy, one would think. Also, there was one thing that was kind of left off all of this. There was no lids. People were going like bananas over the fact that the lids, the Tupperware had no lids on them. And people were saying, uh, you know, I can't genuinely can't identify a single thing in that inexplicably lidless Tupperware. (laughs) This is one tweet. In response to this, he then kind of uploaded, you know, a, a, another picture saying, for anyone asking, yes, we do have lids and we have vegetables. Sorry, Matt, I didn't really do his picture justice. Now, you can tell a lot about somebody uh, by the contents of their fridge. You know, it gives, them a little, gives us a little insight, doesn't it, into his life. And, you know, apparently, I mean, the fact that there's somebody that has this. Uh, he's, uh, this guy is an expert, right? His name is John Stonehill, right? And he's a refrigerator dating expert I kid you not I have tracked this guy down online right basically what's he do he analyses the fridges of people's dates and predicts their compatibility oh yes yes John Hill what a legend he is oh my goodness me he is just fantastic. He says, uh, he, he, so basically you get a true idea of their health, lifestyle, income and what kind of romantic partner they'll be all right so uh, he says, you know, he looks at the model of the fridge and all that kind of stuff. And then inside in the fridge, it's, it tells a lot about kind of your personality, he says, right? So a messy, chaotic fridge means you're probably an equally chaotic, you're living an equally chaotic life. But a regularly empty fridge is also probably a sign a person is constantly busy and won't ha- be an, an available partner. If you see someone with an extra clean fridge with all their meals for the week labelled and planned out, Leo, you also want to stay away. That person is probably really controlling, he says. <laughs> but it does get me kind of thinking of fridges and, and contents of fridge because this people love this. People were sharing this all over Twitter as well around Christmas time, I think it was, or just after Christmas time, because the social media star and presenter James Kavanagh, who is hilarious online, he is brilliant, he was rating people's fridges so as a floating head in people's photographs of their fridge and he was kind of criticising it. And, you know, he's kind of right in what he says a lot of this. You can tell a lot about people. Like, you know, that person who has, you know, maybe an egg and like 
a tiny bit of milk left in a carton and the dregs of red sauce. Like, what's going on there? That tells a lot about you as a person if I see that in your fridge. Equally, you could have somebody who's like filled with the veg and the salads and all the rest. You're like, oh, a bit of a health freak. For me, the first thing I checked when I went babysitting as a youngster was the fridge. That's a key thing. That is a key element. Is this relationship going to work? Is this fridge stocked for me, the babysitter? And I was surprised to find the vegetable drawer of the (laughs) babysitter's fridge was filled, and I mean filled, with little mini bars of chocolate. Needless to say, it was a beautiful relationship. So I'm asking you, what is your fridge like today? I'm very nosy altogether. I want to know, what is your fridge like? Are you like chaotic? Because I'm kind of chaotic. It'll be very full, but chaos will reign in my fridge. It's very disorganised. Are you organised? Are you like Leo with your meal prep and your lunch boxes and everything else? Or... Have you yet to get the weekly shop in? Come on now. I want to know. 86 658 If you feel brave enough, send me a picture on WhatsApp. There's Westlife with my love. Hannah has been on. We're talking about fridges and what your fridge says about you. 86 658 Sinead, my boyfriend's fridge is like you described. Never any milk. Always a random bottle of ketchup with not much in it. What's that about? I don't know. I gather he lives kind of on his own or maybe with a group of lads and they're not bothered, are they? They're not bothered to be filling that fridge at all. We're talking about the contents of your fridge. What does your fridge look like right now? Is it chaotic like mine with things everywhere and flung about? Or is it very neat? Is it washed out and clean? Let me know. If you can send a picture as well, that would be brilliant. Let's do Rate My Fridge on 86 658 Now, this Christmas, Toy Show the Musical is coming to the theatre stage for the very first time. We are very excited because two local actors, very talented youngsters, uh, Kiola and Darren uh, from Loud and Mead are playing the, the lead role of Nell. They're sharing the role. And uh, we caught up with them yesterday to chat about this. I'm going to bring you their little chat after this. Yes, this Christmas toy show, the musical, brings the magic of the late, late toy show to the theatre stage for the very first time. Step inside one little girl's toy show adventure as she and her family prepare for the biggest night of their lives. It's a show about family tradition and how the magic of the toy show brings the whole world together each year for one truly amazing night. And it's coming to the convention centre in Dublin from the 10th of December. We are thrilled to hear that two local young actors have been selected to play the lead role. I'm delighted uh, to have uh, chatted to 10-year-old Kiola Dunn from Dunsany and Darren McNally. She's 11 from Dundalk and we caught up with them yesterday. Here's this little chat. Keola, I'm going to start with you. First of all, massive congratulations on getting this part. Take me back to when you got the call for the show. Where were you? What were you doing? Um, well, I was in the kitchen and um, my mom came in and she was like, you got it. And I was, I, I, was, I was screaming. I was running around. I was like, what? We were telling my whole family. It was, it was just amazing. I loved it. And the thing was, you had to keep it a secret for so long, didn't you? I know, it, it was so hard, but I mean, I made it, I made it. So talk to me about the audition process. How many auditions did you have to do and was it really challenging? It was really challenging and I think we had to do, we had to do around like four or something. Okay, so four in total. So that was like singing as well as actually acting. Yes, they would give us scripts and songs to learn, and, but it was so great because I, I met some new friends and um, it, it was really it was really fun. And, and how did you find out about the actual uh, musical in the first place and the fact that they were searching for uh, people to take uh, to do auditions for the, the, the main parts? Um, well, it, there was an ad online and my mom was, was like, oh, I don't think you should do. And I was like, please, I begged her to send in a, a, a tape. And then I got called back and then I got more callbacks. And it was just, it was, it was like, I was like, what? Amazing. Oh, my God. So exciting. And you see, you are used to this, though, because you performed on big stages before. I heard you performed in a, a big production of Evita with the National Symphony Orchestra not that long ago. Yes, I did. And I actually got that role from auditioning for a toy show. Oh, fantastic. Okay, so that's kind of, it all kind of came about that way. So, Darren, first of all, uh, I've just discovered this this afternoon that you have a long association with the toy show. You've been featured on there a couple of times. Yeah. 
I've been on it four times. I was on the Late Late Toy Show um, singing an Elton John song. It was I'm Still Standing. I was on it with Irish Women in Harmony for <gasps> Together at Christmas. I was on it for this this time. And I was on it for the launch. Very exciting. So, you know, not many kids get to be on the toy show. You've been on it a couple of times at this stage. Is it as amazing as everybody says being on the toy show? It's absolutely fantastic. It feels really surreal. I was one of the first people to ever, like, see the the frozen set that time. Oh, I'm so jealous. flying. Amazing. Oh my God, I'm so jealous. And was this like with your stage school? Or, like, did you audition? In, it was just me that auditioned. Uh, I I was really, really excited. Oh, I can only imagine. So talk to me about your reaction then when you heard that you would be playing the lead in this musical. Where were you? What were you doing? I was at summer camp with From the Top. We were doing Matilda. And... The camp director, Jer, pulled me out of the camp and said, your mum's in the lobby. And I was like, oh, oh no, did I get in trouble or something? <laughs> and she puts me on the phone and my um, agent tells me that I got the part of Nell. I was jumping up and down and crying. <laughs> I can only imagine. So you are only 11 and you already have an agent. That's very fancy altogether. So you're, you're really dedicated to acting and singing. This is something that you want to pursue. Yes, definitely. So when you went back into school, because I know you had to keep, you and, you and Kiola are fantastic at keeping secrets. You had to keep this a secret for so long. When you went back into school, was everyone like looking for your autograph now? Because you've been like, you know, this is a big deal. No, at first nobody said anything. And then when it came to lunchtime, I had people saying, because uh, I was on Red Cross. It's a thing that sixth class do in our school. And so I was Red Cross, on Red Cross in the playground. And I had... And I had loads of children coming up to me saying, you're famous. <laughs> and there's a wee boy called Connor. In my <laughs> and he said to me, you're going to be a millionaire whenever you're 15. <laughs> I love it. So you're very responsible as well, getting involved in the Red Cross in school as well as all of this. So where does this love of singing and performing and everything come from? Does it come from your family or are you the only performer? Um. My mom does a little bit. She doesn't do saying she's she's shaking her head at me now. She's like, "Oh my god, no!" <laughs> and you know, with a, with a name like Kiola, you know, you have got the lovely, gorgeous Irish Kiola in your t- in your name. I love it. So you were literally made to be performing and singing. Yeah. Well, my mom always dreamed of calling me Kiola, and she's a singer herself, an amazing one, might I add. And um, <laughs> yeah, so she you get it from her. You get it from her. And, you know, uh, the the acting as well and the, and the singing and performance, that obviously, as you say, comes from, from mum. But you're in a stage school as well, aren't you? Yes, I'm in a stage school with um, Elizabeth Bracken. She, she, she does really good. And the Acting Academy. Oh, fantastic. OK, so this is, you know, something that you are passionate about. Are you hopeful that you might maybe do this maybe after school? Is that something that you're, you're thinking about? That's something that I'd love to do, honestly. Like, it's uh, my dream is to be on the West End or Broadway. Oh, I've no doubt that you're going to do this. Absolutely. This is all coming to the Convention Centre December 10th. I mean, would you be somebody that would sit around with the family for the toy show every every year? Is this like a tradition for you guys? Yes, it's a tradition. Um, last year, we were in a new house for a bit, but we're back here. And um, the big TV was in my parents' room, so we had to like squish into the oh, I love it. bed. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And, and talk to me a little bit about Nell, because you and also Darren, also Claire, you guys all share the role, isn't that right? Yeah, we share the role. Yeah, I think she, I think she's a very kind, funny, a bit like crazy um, personality. She's she's so like the when the scripts that I read for the auditions, I could see that she was funny, kind, and you know just amazing. I heard one of the gorgeous songs, of course, on the late late, absolutely beautiful songs. There's a lot of songs in there. You guys are, are heading for rehearsals very soon. I'm absolutely ecstatic about it. <laughs> 
<laughs> and you know what? We are just ecstatic that yourself and Kiola are part of this production. We are so proud to have our two local actors involved in this. Two lo- local stars here. We're thrilled for you. I'm going to wish you the very, very best of luck. You guys won't need it, though. I know you're going to be absolutely amazing when you take to the stage in the Convention Centre on December 10th. But thank you so much for having a chat with me today. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Bye. Oh, they're brilliant. They're absolutely brilliant. If you want tickets and details and more information, or to e.ie forward slash toy show, the musical and the girls have promised to come back on the show in the run up to the big uh, day, which is uh, starting December 10th, uh, but it'll be running for a couple of nights. Uh, so as I say, or to e.ie forward slash toy show, the musical. I'm very excited. I'm getting pictures of fridges being sent in to 0861806658. Rate my fridge after the break. 11 to 1. Now it's time to go back in time. LMFM Northeast Update with Senator Windows. Senator Windows products will help you create a secure, comfortable, energy efficient home you're proud of. Call 0818 774455. On this day in 2015, US scientists from University of California found evidence that life on Earth may have begun 4.1 billion years ago, so 300 years million 300 million years earlier than previously thought. And today is gin and tonic day. Oh yeah. The cocktail idea began during the reign of the British East India Company in India in the 1700s. So malaria was rampant around the place. So to treat it, a Scottish doctor called George Cleghorn had discovered that quinine, a flavour component of tonic water, could be used to treat it. But people didn't like the taste. So they began adding water, sugar, lime and gin to the water. And thus, gin and tonic was born. LMFM Northeast Update with Senator Windows. Creating the perfect home is a journey. Let us guide you. Visit our Drogheda and Dundalk showrooms. Discover more at senatorwindows.ie. Back to the music now. Here's Shakira. Shakira. There's Shakira. Hips don't lie. News at 12 is approaching, but still to come. You can tell a lot about someone from the contents of their fridge. I want you to send me an image of your fridge. Rate my fridge, 0861800658. Plus, the life of writer and political activist Dorothy McCardle from Dundalk is developed into a one-woman show. I'm going to be meeting the actor and director. That's all to come. 11 to 1. With- There's Kai going Whitney Houston, higher love, kicking off our second hour. Sinead Brazel here with you till one. How are you getting on? 0861800658. Now, we have been together every day from 11 to 1 for nearly four years. So I feel like, you know, there's a certain level of trust being built up, but I feel like we need to find out more about each other. And what better way than you telling me the contents of your fridge? Yeah. Because, you know, I feel that once you know the contents of a person's fridge, you kind of get a gist for who they are. I've already told you, mine is chaos. You know what I mean? At the start of the week, it starts out very organised and then it becomes chaotic. Why are we talking about this? Well... Leo Varadkar posted an image of his fridge with some meals prepared in lidless Tupperware. It caused a Ferrari. And it kind of gave us an insight into what kind of a guy Leo is. Turns out, a bit of a control freak, according to <laughs> a fridge dating expert. Yes. Oh, yes. There is a real person who's a fridge dating expert. I have found him. His name is, uh, Stonehill is his second name. Where's his first name gone to? Where is his first? I can't think of what his first name has gone to. It's, it's vanished here. Hang on a second now. Oh, here he is. Uh, refrigerator dating expert, John, John Stonehill. So I've asked you to send me an image of your fridge to 086-1800-658. Barbara Murray in Balmascanlan has sent me what I can only describe as a decadent fridge the contents of this are just decadent like what is going on with Barbara you know if you go over there you're going to get something you know just amazing made right she's got homemade green tomato and apple chutney in there lovely label and you know the lovely fancy jars she's got the fancy jars you know the checkered red labels amazing lots of cheese lots of cream lots of bacon I'd be rolling out of Barbara's house afterwards but she says she had this Green tomato and apple chutney with wholemeal toast and Wensleydale cheese. I mean, Barbara, decadence in Ballamiscanlan. Well, I suppose you're from Ballamiscanlan, aren't you? So, you know, that's the home of cookery. 
absolutely brilliant. Um, I'm looking at Siobhan's fridge. Very different. The milk is all piled up. There's lots, like I'm talking, there must be like, there has to be about eight packets of ham here. What's going on? There's milk and ham. That's all I can kind of see. There is a little bit of fruits and veg going on there in the bottom drawers as well. Do you have a ham addiction? Siobhan, I need to find out more about that. Uh, Also, one just coming in. Hang on, it's downloading. Oh, hang on a minute now. What is going on with this? Okay, I have to tell you. (laughs) We've got the milk piled up fine. Okay, bit of orange juice going on there. I need to zoom in. Because does my eyes deceive me? No, they do not. There are rolls of toilet roll in this fridge. In among the Charleville and the balsamic and the tropical. There's rolls of toilet roll. I need more explanations here. I think this is great. <laughs> this show. I need like lots of explanations around this. Why is there toilet roll in your fridge, Graham? This throws up so many questions. The rest of the fridge, very neat, I have to say, and very clean as well. Keep them coming in to me. Rate my fridge. Oh, it's one 800 The Buzz on LMFM. Keep up to date with all the latest news and gossip on the LMFM app. Hi, I'm Louise. Black Adam starring Dwayne Johnson is out this Friday. Dwayne has been working on this film for 15 years and he says it's his passion project that he hopes to develop. Pierce Brosnan plays Dr. Fate in the movie and we asked Dwayne about working alongside Bond. But here's the best thing about Pierce. He's a really good dude and a really kind soul. And he lives in Hawaii, which is great, so we're neighbors. And he's Irish as well. And he's Irish. He's a good Irishman. I love ki- I love kissing him on the cheek because we do like a hard kiss on the cheek. Like he wants a headbutt me, you know? Paris Hilton's admitted that lines got blurred between real life and her ditzy blonde persona. The heiress is the latest guest on Meghan Markle's Archetypes podcast on Spotify in an episode called Breaking Down the Bimbo. Paris says she built her personality to escape her traumatic teenage years at boarding school. The trailer for Creed 3 has just landed. Seven years after dominating the boxing world, Adonis Donny Creed has been thriving in both his career and family life. When a childhood friend and former boxing prodigy Damien Dame Anderson resurfaces after serving a long sentence in prison, he's eager to prove that he deserves his shot in the ring. Directed by and starring Michael B. Jordan, it's set for release next March. How long were you locked up? 18 years, bro. Just got out last week. Glad to have you back out, man. I know I've been away a long time, but I kept myself in shape. I still got gas in the tank. Come by the gym. That's The Buzz. I'm Louise. The Buzz on LMFM. Keep up to date with all the latest news and gossip on the LMFM app. I have to say, I'm very jealous of my lovely colleague, Thomas Cross, who did get to meet The Rock on the red carpet last night. We do have more red carpet action for you as well. He sent me lots of uh, interviews from The Rock, so we will bring you some of that as well. Um, Santa's little helper has been on. He'll, he'll always pop on there. He says, we don't have a fridge here in the North Pole as it's so cold. If we want a cup of tea, we have to put the milk into the microwave to defrost it. He's saying 67 sleeps to go. Now Santa's little helper, I think we're just going to have to ban you until after Halloween. Do you know what I mean? Like, I know you're enthusiastic. You're like Mariah Carey. You can't wait to get in there with the Christmas. We will accept all messages with a countdown from November onwards. Okay? Thank you so much, though. Uh, keep your fridges coming in as well. 86 658 There's Relish, Great Irish Band, you I'm thinking of on LMFM's 11 to 1. Now we are going to be putting our thoughts to a fantastic woman. Uh, She was around during the 20th century and really we should be talking a lot more about her legacy and achievements. Dorothy McCardle, she was a writer, political activist, journalist, educator. She's from Dundalk originally and uh, during the Civil War she spent several years in various prisons around and had a series of handwritten diaries that she kept whilst she was incarcerated. Her story has been adapted into a brilliant solo performance. We're going to be finding out more about this just after these. 11 to 1 with
A new one-woman show about an outstanding Irish woman of the 20th century whose legacy and achievements need to be celebrated is coming to Smock Alley Theatre on the 15th and 16th of November. So Dorothy McCardle, she was a writer, political activist, journalist and educator from Dundalk. And during the Civil War, she spent several months in Mount Joy Prison, Kilmainham Jail and North Dublin Union and had a series of handwritten diaries that she kept whilst she was incarcerated. And these have been adapted into a brilliant solo performance by my next guests. The play is called Prison Notebooks and I'm delighted to be joined in studio by actress Sharon McCardle and director Declan Gorman. How are you both getting on? Great. Great. Fantastic. Great to having us. Do you know when the email came in initially from Louth County Council about Dorothy McCardle I had no idea who this woman was. I had no clue anything about her and I'm so glad that now I do know more about her from a little bit of research that I've done this morning. But tell me more about this remarkable lady and how did you find out about her? Uh, Well we found out about her uh, in 2017, we were invited to perform a piece by Dorothy at the Dorothy McCardle uh, conference in Dundalk. Um, and really, that was the first time that, well, I had been introduced to her work. Um, and since then, it's been a <laughs> it's been a it's been a journey ever since just trying to kind of find out more about this amazing, fascinating, multifaceted person. Yeah, I can. I, and to then get to actually be invited by her must have been just incredible in, in the first place. That'd be un- unreal. But, you know, she came from a brewing background. Uh, they were from Dundalk originally. What can you tell us about her family and her, and her early life? OK, so Declan, do you want to talk about her, the, yeah, the brewing yeah, family? She, um, so uh, most people uh, will remember McCardle's Ale. Uh, you still see neon signs. for There's a neon sign for McCardle's Ale in the Palace Bar in Dublin, funny enough, still. Um, but McCardle's was a huge uh, brewery uh, uh, founded in the uh, mid-19th century and continued brewing up until um, uh, some years ago. Uh, it was a huge employer in Dundalk. And uh, so the brewery was founded by, um, uh, it was McCardle Moore. So the McCardle side of it would have been Dorothy McCardle's uh, grandfather and grandmother. Uh, Dorothy's father was Sir Thomas McCardle and so he was the son and he took it over and he was the chairman of it uh, at the time of the First World War and he was actually knighted by the uh, knighted uh, by the king at the time wow. for services to the British Empire uh, uh, for providing beer to the troops oh, on the course. front line so they were the, they were the, they were the primary provider of ale and also grain to the front line troops uh, in Europe during the First World War so Obviously, you know, the dad was, uh, he was a home ruler. He was a moderate nationalist, I suppose, but he was an imperialist. He believed in the empire and uh, and Dorothy's mother was actually an Englishwoman, a unionist. So for Dorothy to uh, sort of break away from that background and become an Irish Republican was, uh, I suppose, the first really fascinating thing that really drew us to her. Like, how, what kind of a young woman was she uh, when we found out about her, that was one of the first questions we were intrigued by. Yeah, absolutely. And because she was, you know, somebody of privilege as well, she was in the, you know, great position of being educated and educated to quite a high standard, wasn't she? Yeah. And this was kind of, you know, where I suppose then her, her you know, being this, you know, fascinating uh, mind and this, you know, this person that had all this knowledge. So she then had this two sides to her. She had this really creative side, which we see in her writing, and then this really kind of political activism side. She was quite a pioneer in that way. That's right. So, um, I mean, she, she was very well educated and she was luck, lucky enough and um, fortunate enough to go to Alexandra College um, where she she was really immersed in literature, poetry, plays and all that sort of thing. So she, she we, were, we were thinking, you know, she was a, an artist first and um, then her, her political, um, her, you know, that her, her politics came in after that. But she was she was very much the artist. Um, so, I mean, she wasn't she wasn't in Ireland during 1916. Or, you know, she was over in England at the time. She was immersed in Shakespeare. She was living in Stratford, Stratford upon Avon and uh, working working with the Shakespeare um, group over there. And it was only after 1916, 1917, that she came back to Ireland. She was working in Alexandra College at the time as an English lecturer. Wow. And uh, she was she started to get more and more immersed in the 
the more kind of literary side of Ireland at the time, Yeats, the, the Abbey. Which she of was, course you know, was, you know, a vehicle for propaganda, a lot yeah. of it at the time as well. She, yes, She became completely radicalised through that, the literary movement in Ireland. Um, she ended up moving in with Maud Gone into wow. her attic in St. Stephen's Green. And, you know, so, th- so she was surrounded by a very bohemian, very artistic group of people who were having loads of bohemian soirees in the house and she was mingling with all these you know incredible people like herself and it was through that movement that she became you know radicalised and that, that's when her re- Republican uh, ideas then started to come to the to the fore at that point. Yeah because she was a good friend as well of, of Eamon de Valera wasn't she? She was indeed actually um, and she uh, later I mean when when she finally was released from prison she um, uh, I mean obviously she sided with de Valera and with the anti-treaty I'd said uh, you know when the treaty was signed and as the civil war was approaching she she was very um, dismayed by the Anglo-Irish treaty and she felt that it had been a sellout and all of that and so uh, de Valera was her mentor and she grew quite close to him uh, as a family friend uh, to Eamon de Valera and his wife uh, were family friends for a number of years, although she did separate a little from him uh, in later life. She was very disappointed uh, as a feminist. She was very disappointed with the Irish constitution and with the uh, um, employment laws and so on, which de Valera introduced when he finally came to power. She felt that he was writing women out of history. Mm. And although their personal friendship continued, she disagreed with him publicly on that. But in her early career, she was very much on that side of things. Um, and she, as, as Sharon said, she was she was in a very radical milieu. So she was uh, she was a, because she was a writer. She and she was an established playwright. She'd already had dramas performed yeah. in the Abbey Theatre, but she devoted her energy as after the treaty was signed to writing propaganda for a newspaper called Freedom. Oh yes, and, of and, course. And it was it. it was because of that activity that she was arrested without trial, uh, along with six other women, uh, in uh, at the then Sinn Féin office uh, on Suffolk Street in Dublin, and she was uh, unceremoniously thrown into prison without trial, where she was held for six months. Wow. Okay. And talk to me about the the incarceration because you know six months, but it was also like extremely harsh conditions. She was really like treated so so awfully, and but luckily for us, she documented the entire experience. So she kind of turned to the writing. Are, are these prison notebooks available to anybody? Are they published, or how did you guys discover this? Um, okay. So the the diaries are unpublished. They are in the Eamon de Valera. Um, archive in our collection in the James Joyce Library in the UCD archive um, and they're available to view on microfilm there. Okay. Um, so there's uh, three out of our six journals that survive we believe that the other three may be burned by her brother after her death he burned a lot of her papers wow. which was a recurring theme throughout her life I mean th- there are, are a number of occasions where her papers have been destroyed Um in 1922, just for example, her I mean, it's her so, so plays, telling, isn't it? Like yeah. literally silenced in that one, you know, action of burning the actual paper. So that, like the likes of us can't talk about what she may have written now. Absolutely. Uh, and yeah. That's the big problem. There's so many gaps in her story and her legacy because of that. Um, when she was arrested um, sh- days after her arrest, she got she receives a letter from Maud Gone in prison to say that there was a raid on her home and all of her papers, her manuscripts, her plays, Everything belonging to her had been destroyed, burned. There was a public burning in St. Stephen's Green. And her students from Alexander College were actually p- were seen picking up fragments of her charred papers um, for, for souvenirs, lectures on Hamlet, um, you know, and various other um, uh, pieces of writing that, that, wow. that she had. So so the, these this is a recurring thread in her life. Um, you know, the, the Abbey Fire then, um, her plays were destroyed yes. through that. Um, you know, so um, this, 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 so we're dealing with uh, fragments of um, papers uh, to try and kind of piece together her life. So we have the jail journals uh, that are there, three of them. And... Um, and what, what was she actually writing about? Because there was some things that I discovered uh, in my minuscule research compared to you guys this morning of just, you know, being thrown about, being beaten so hard that she couldn't see. I mean, and then she still felt compelled to actually write. Yes, there's, I suppose there's really two or three different aspects to her. I mean, first, the first thing is, uh, I'm just going back to your opening remarks. 
I mean, neither of us really had any great knowledge of, of Dorothy uh, prior to 2016, and it was the Dundalk artist, Constance Short, who's been a great champion of Dorothy's legacy for many, many years, who first introduced us to that understanding. Uh, but it was gradually over time that we came to realise that not only had she written a very important history of Ireland after she was released, uh, not only was she an Abbey playwright before she went into prison, but she actually went on to become a Hollywood screenwriter. Wow. So one of her novels, which has been recently republished by Tram Press, which is called The Uninvited, was actually considered one of the greatest Hollywood horror movies of the 1940s. And we're kind of going like, how come... You know, like my mother's from Dundalk. My yeah. mother was McCardle from Dundalk. Sharon's McCardle from yes, Dundalk. Yes, of course. How, You've got such come, connections to it. How come we never heard of this incredible woman? And I think it's partly to do with what Sharon just talked about. Her papers were systematically mm. burned, maliciously so on one occasion and, 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 in, and by a distressed relative after her death. And also, I suppose, very much in the way that history was reworked and rewritten so that so many of the significant women who contributed to the founding years of the Irish state are actually unknown to the general public. So I suppose we were motivated by that uh, to begin with. But when we got down to it, and it was Sharon then who went off to the um, to the archives and found these um, handwritten diaries, which you know we were eventually shown the actual diaries. They're very carefully preserved uh, by Kate Manning and her team at the UCD archive. Uh, but we were uh, given access to the, Sharon was initially given access to the microfilm and then eventually they sent us photocopies of them. And they're almost illegible because they're written in the dark, they're yes, written while she was on hunger strike, they're written in the most appalling conditions. And they're written up the sides and down the back of, of the notebooks and everything. But Sharon just kept at it and actually transcribed the entire 50,000 words and wow, yeah, that, that is yeah. a labour of love. That but, is a labour of but, love, but Sharon. I've, I've missed your question, which is what's in them. Yes. Not only are there day-to-day descriptions of the uh, of the life of the women in the jail, and you know, while it's very bleak at times, it's also very uplifting because there's great camaraderie. Uh, they sing, uh, they, they, they comfort each other, they laugh together, they keep up their spirits. They're very brave women. Uh, regardless of what people might think about the position that they took, we weren't really interested in that. We were interested in what was the spirit, what kind of women were they? But also, what we began to discover very early on was that there's incredible evidence that, that Dorothy McCardle herself had a sort of a psychic sensibility. Oh. So the, the gothic horror writer didn't come from nowhere. Yes. She writes about her dreams. She writes about dreams in which she actually, she writes things which she couldn't have known that happened in the future, in okay. the diary. And this was uncanny for us reading this. And we went, uh, we'll, let's, we have to make a play about this because these... These entries in the diary, it's not just a typical jail journal about a day in the life yes, of a prisoner. It's a lot she more. writes about her dreams, her nightmares, her fears. Um, the walls open and she sees through them and she sees scenes outside and things like that. So she, it, it's almost like scenes from her later writing and from her later movies, but they're actually happening to her herself. And I think that's what makes it such a fascinating piece of theatre uh, when we finally, after five years of work, we finally got a play out of it. And, and and that's what people really took away from it was that it wasn't just what they expected. People went in expecting, oh, you know, another story of hunger strikes. And yes, that. but, but it's actually is so, so much, much more, so much more magical and beautiful than that. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm going to just pause right there for one second because I'm so intrigued by this conversation. I'm going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with more details of the play. Hang on. Eleven to one. We are having a fascinating conversation with actress Sharon McCardle and director Declan Gorman. They have created a show. It's a one-woman show called Prison Notebooks. It's based on the prison diaries of Dundalk woman Dorothy McCardle during the Civil War and they're going to perform it in Smock Alley in Dublin on the 15th and 16th of November. So just let's pick up where we were there, Declan. We were talking about... um, the, the play and kind of where the how the play kind of came about. So where does the play pick up from? Is it her just in prison, Sharon, or is it her being thrown into prison or how do we meet her in the play? Okay, myself and Declan were talking earlier today about some of the um, cuts that we had to make to the play. And unfortunately, one of the cuts that we made to the play was the time of her arrest, which is, as Declan mentioned, in Suffolk Street. And it, it, it is a fascinating scene. Unfortunately, it's cut, uh, but uh, it might get an airing someday, maybe on radio. Um, so it, it takes us to um, Dorothy, who's in, who's, who's in, we're straight into Manjoy when we, when we start the play. Um, so it's her, yeah, her first, first, first day in yeah, prison with her women. Effect, the prison door closing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. 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 So well, yeah. you see, with the, because you have things sort of paired back in a way, Declan, like, yeah. you know, you have, it's a one woman show, so it's focusing completely on Sharon in this one location. You have more freedom, don't you, to use sound and different visuals, that kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, um, uh, 
the show had three performances uh, in the Antoine Arts Centre in Dundalk, just in a, in a small room in the basement there, which is uh, in the basement gallery, which was once upon a time actually a holding cell. Uh, it was it was a place of incarceration, and we just did a kind of a tryout run there for three nights, and um, the feedback was astonishing, which is why we're now bringing it to Dublin. Uh, but but a lot of people actually commented on um, the soundscape because we we we've spent we've been on this for years, so we've created the sounds of the prison, all the women talking and so on. But all the voices are Sharon, uh, and it's it's multi-tracked and so on. Uh, and Sharon performs uh, Dorothy, obviously, and it's in it's entirely Dorothy's writing. It's all in Dorothy's lines, uh, but. Uh, she talks a lot about the other women. So Sharon also takes on sometimes the role of other women coming and going. And some of those would be women that would be known to some people in historians and so on, like Nora Connolly, who was the daughter of James Connolly. But a lot of them would be women that have remained relatively unknown outside of very closed historical circles. And it, so it creates a fascinating um, atmosphere of a jail full of, you can imagine a jail with 80 odd women in it wow. and no men other yes. than the prison guards. Um, so there's a lot of the, the sounds of talking, singing, people moving around and so on and so forth is, is part of it. But it's Sharon is the woman. Uh, yes. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, we show, I play many different parts, as Declan mentioned, but there's different factions within, you know, they're just not a homogenous group of women in prison. You know, there's the militants from the upper landing and, uh, you know, there's the quite religious women. Uh, Dorothy isn't religious. Um, uh, she's quite spiritual, but not not religious per se. Um, so there's Mother Mother Humphreys, the, the mother Catholic who's in prison. So there's lots, you know, and there's lots of different dynamics between the women as well. You know, there's conflict between them. You of know, there's course, the Suffolk Street political yeah. women where Dorothy, she's part of that group and they're into, you know, writing about, um, you know, sending out propaganda, sending out, you know, um, articles to be published in some of these propaganda newspapers. There's other women like Bridget O'Malan, um, um, you know, who's who are protesting in the prison and they're, you know, for for all sorts of different reasons, you know. So, um, yeah, there's the big challenge yeah, for you, Sharon, to yes. take on all of this. <laughs> well, I've got a great director sitting here beside <laughs> me. So without him. Um, yeah. So so you're not just coming to see Dorothy in prison. You're meeting the, you know, the the the, the whole cast. Really. Yes, yes. It's full. The, the, the stages, people go away and say we felt there was a full cast in that production. Um, you meet the prison um, guard, Pauline O'Keefe, you know. <laughs> um, you Which know, I'm sure he was gorgeous altogether, yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. looking after... To say there's a little bit of comedy in the play as well. Yeah. Okay. I, mean, I, I mean, you have to watch Sharon McArdle playing this sort of tiny, scrunched up, horrible little man called Pauline <laughs> O'Keefe as if they're going around rattling his keys and sort of nasally calling the women to order. And of course, yes. they pay him no mind, you know. Of course. Uh, but yeah, it does wouldn't. get nasty, though. Mm. It does get nasty. We need to warn people about that. Yes. Yeah, so they, this is difficult uh, viewing as well, because as as we've discussed, you know, there was a lot of detail in, in the diaries about, you know, the, the horrible abuse that she did actually, you know, yeah. suffer from uh, at the hands and of this And not just guys. her, but the, but the other women as well. There's a lot of focus on Mary McSweeney, uh, who was in prison at the time on hunger strike and the women are keeping vigil I mean there's lots of those ghosty apparitions because Dorothy's very sensitive to ghosts in prison as well so there's appearances of um, ghosty um, apparitions ghosties. Okay. and you know she hears things through the walls as well so there's voices from the past coming as a source of consolation through the walls that she can hear so there's you know then she slips into her dream worlds you know and, the, and then the walls of the prison open up into windows where she sees these beautiful vistas of the Mediterranean Sea or forests or she sees her mother uh, you know she's in London with her brother in Westminster so you're not just stuck in a prison with yes. Dorothy you're absolutely going into her psyche and you're really Really, you know. Um, well, that was her getting a glimpse, mind, wasn't it? Yeah, but it is, well. it is brought back then to because towards the end the diaries stopped because the, di- the diaries, some of the diaries were burned, unfortunately, by her brother. But we did find, and the only piece of writing that is in it that is actually not from her diaries is from an article that she wrote that she smuggled out, which describes the forcible transfer of over eighty women from Kilmainham against their will to the North Dublin Union which was a temporary hellhole of a jail that had opened on the north side and the women resisted they wouldn't go because the hunger strikers were being left behind okay. uh, and they were there in solidarity with these hunger strikers and they, 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 they gripped the railings and they were absolutely brutally manhandled by the primarily male um, uh, prison mm-hmm. guards and CID and special police officers that were brought in so that's a very vivid uh, very gripping description by Dorothy it's almost like being at one of these um 
like at The Hague and listening yeah. to the human rights testimonies, like it's utterly gripping to just hear the voice. To read it is gripping, but to hear it spoken aloud, that comes towards the end of the play. But, you know, it's it has it's been a long time coming. And so there's so much else in the drama. I think we really need to emphasize this. Like it's an incredible celebration of the spirit of 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 strong politically aware um, women in solidarity with one another. I think that's the great strength of the work. Well, I have to commend you both and I could talk to you all day, but I'm running fast out of time here. Uh, you're taking it to Smock Alley Theatre next month. I'm no doubt that audiences are going to be enthralled by this. There's also going to be a documentary that's going to be on RTE Lyric as well. That's on, uh, that's coming. When is that coming out? The, November, the Lyric one? November the 6th at 6pm. November 6th, 6 6 6 as, well, yeah. as well. And uh, I commend you both uh, for this production. Very much looking forward to seeing it myself. Thank you both so, so much for joining me today in studio. Thanks, Thanks so much. Thanks. Thanks a million. If people want details of tickets, smockally.com. It's called Prison Notebooks and I highly recommend you go and see it 15th and 16th of November. 11 to 1 with Gil. LMFM Job Search with thanks to LMFM Online. Check out the latest Northeast news, sport and entertainment on lmfm.ie. Getting to the jobs today, the Lathe and Meath branch of Down Syndrome Ireland requires an early intervention teaching contractor to provide early intervention support to infants and preschool children with Down Syndrome in their homes. For more information, check vacancies on dsilmb.ie. Rainbows Community Services requires social care leaders and social workers for their children's residential services in Drogheda and Julianstown areas. For inquiries, you can email info at rainbows.ie. Navin Hire and Hardware requires an experienced mechanic and candidates with an interest in mechanics who want to learn. You can apply by emailing hr at nwh.ie. Hickey's Pharmacy requires a store manager in the Dundalk area. To apply, please contact talent at unifard.ie. And Frameform Steel Systems Limited are recruiting staff for their technical and production departments at their facility in the Finnebar Business Park in Dundalk. You can check out the job section on their website, frameform.com. And don't forget, all of the details of those jobs can be found on our local job section, lmfm.ie. LMFM Job Search. Oh my goodness me, we are absolutely fast out of time. What a great show we've had. Thank you so much for your company as always. I'll leave you at Van Morrison. Have a great day. Chat to you tomorrow. 11 to 1. LMFM Podcasts. With CNC Carpets, we bring the showroom to you. Or book a new showroom appointment on 087 660 4237. 